Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Always glad to be with my buddy, John Bailey. How you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. All right. So totally irrelevant question, but we always <laughs> like to, you know, help. You know what? It, it sets the table for you and I. We enjoy each other's company, but also people get to know us. Dog person, cat person. Uh, more dog person. What what I am not is a snake person. You know, I, I was just in yeah. Vietnam and they pulled out this like 12 foot snake and, or something. and wrapped it around me and I was like okay this is not comfortable for me <laughs> so yeah probably keep it with the I have like right now uh penny which you've been around my favorite pet ever just mm. an amazing amazing dog how about yourself and she is juxtaposed in her personality with her her brother <laughs> <laughs> Levi can be challenging we yes. love Levi but he's very yappy his sister is actually just the best pet I've ever owned. I mean, yeah. awesome. They're both cute dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, you know, I'm probably the only person in my family who's more of the dog person. I mean, mm. you know, we have a dog now, and all of everybody in the family loves the dog. But growing up, our kids, we could never have a dog in the Middle East. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> Muslims don't think highly of dogs. Uh, and so uh, we just never could have one, and so our kids never had a dog. So in order to have a pet, we had a cat. Mm. And um, Amy grew up with cats, so she really likes cats. She dogs too, so she likes both. But um, so our kids definitely loved our family cat that we had for many, many years. And uh, but now we have a dog, and um, yep, I love her. She's a, you know, people say they they get animals that look like them. Yeah, I don't really agree with that at all. You know, my dog is short round and has gray hair <laughs> i don't see any similarities whatsoever <laughs> but, but an awesome but we we actually dog set for you so uh yeah was, yeah she's a sweet dog yeah she was with us for a week we great. watched a television program recently or a movie on some you know streaming uh format on tv and it was movie about some animal some dog that was in war and all that you know and they had these trim physiques and everything and you know i got through watching the movie and you know this this dog was just a beast but but also friendly and everything and walked out of that room walked into our bedroom and our little fat dogs laid on the bed sound asleep snoring <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like we went from war dog to warthog <laughs> uh, awesome, but she's man. sweet and she loves the colorado mountains and so uh anyway enjoy yeah if you're out there tell us about your pet we, we're interested so <laughs> So last week, uh, this is our third episode mm -hmm. on revival. Yep. Week one, we talked about revival in the church, what it is. We talked about pseudo revivals. We talked about revivals that start strong and then kind of turn downward. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we talked about what real revival looks like at a church level and in the body of Christ. Very good episode. If people haven't watched that or listened to it, mm -hmm. I'd recommend they go back and listen to it. Then last week, uh, we started a discussion about personal revival. Yes. Um, what does it look like in our own personal lives? And we use the Jonathan Edwards framework of that revival, true revival, exalts Christ, provokes the devil, prioritizes the Bible, and inspires love. Mm. 
And we did those first two last week. And so today we want to jump right in and talking about what does it look like to prioritize the Bible? And then secondly, what does it look like to inspire love? That's right. Uh, Yeah, I want to start off with a story today. Um, I shared this with Mark earlier, but uh, when I was a kid, my dad was in the Air Force. So we were stationed in Spain. Um, and we had gone away for a week and we came back and they have, uh, these dandelions, Mm -hmm. uh, and they had just, uh, kind of built up in front of our, in front of our front door on the porch. And it was waist high of these little dandelions, which is, you know, enormous amount of, of dandelions. Well, you know, trying to sweep those away would be really difficult. Sure. So I remember my dad taking a match. And and just throwing them on the dandelions, and it was like you know this poof of fire just went up, and then it just it's like they all just kind of disappeared. Huh. And um, I would use that illustration when I would take kids to youth camp, or we would have mm. maybe like a special night of services at the church that I pastored, and God would do great things. And here's a question that I think that you should always ask: what What are you building that spiritual fire with? Because if you build it off of emotions, it poof and it, it comes and it goes. And uh, that's, I, I don't know that that's really biblical. But listen, if you're going to build a fire, you start with the twigs and you put the logs. But you, you put logs on a fire and they could burn all night. Yeah. And the question becomes for our listeners today, what are you building that spiritual fire with? Because if you build it off of emotions or uh, good preachers or good church services, um, I I think you'll tend to have more of the ups and downs. When you build that spiritual fire on the word and prayer, now I believe that you can really build a spiritual fire that lasts. And God's word, Mm -hmm. it is the revelation of God to mankind. And when you read it under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, it has such a powerful effect in us to conform us to who Christ is. Absolutely. You know, a lot of the people who watch our podcast, not everybody, of course, but a lot of people who watch our podcast uh, are on YouTube or listen to it are people who are engaged in some form of ministry. Yeah, or at least leaders. Um, most people are believers walking with God and want to aspire to continue to walk out that journey. Absolutely. And that's why we even do the podcast. Yes. We're trying to help them grow in that. So what does a personal commitment prioritization of Scripture look like in the life of a believer who's walking in a fervent relationship with Jesus? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, when I was um, young as a believer, I had somebody that was very influential in my life. And I had this thing where, like, one point it was like, how many chapters can I read? Sure. And I would read, you know, I read five chapters. Well, if you ask me what I read, I could give you a <laughs> synopsis. But it was, And one thing that uh, this individual said to me is, like, stop trying to read so much, especially when you get started. But take a portion of Scripture mm. and maybe read it twice or three times. And then throughout the day, mull over what you read mm. and let it be like a seed that goes into the into the soil of your heart. And one thing I would really encourage people to do, you know, rather than just going, oh, I got, I mean, you certainly can have your devotion times, you should do that. But really taking like the words of Christ or the words of Scripture and really letting them get into your heart and praying for the Holy Spirit to yeah. make it come alive. Because listen, the letter of the law kills. Yep. 
but the Spirit gives life. And so as you're reading and you're praying, God, illuminate this, make it real in my heart, and then help me to walk it out. That's the powerful effect that the Word of God has has in your life. And that that is for me. I, I don't know, Mark, for yourself, you're obviously... Uh, have been, you know, so instrumental in helping people to understand the word, going to places like we, we have an American context sure. where people, you know, were raised in church and know things about God. You you go to places that people have never read the Bible their entire life. Yeah. So when you're talking to people in an unreached people group context, so how do you encourage them when it comes to prioritizing God's word? Yeah, I think it starts with actually pre-evangelism or Mm. pre-discipleship. So people who haven't even come to faith in Christ yet. You know, I'm always referring to what the Scripture says. Why? Not just because it's the foundation that we build on, yes, but even the Word of God tells us, describes the Word of God as being sharper than a two-edged sword, that it is alive and that it is active. Mm. You know, what makes the Bible the word of God isn't the words on the page. It's who spoke it. That's right. And so, you know, because the God of the Bible is eternal, the words in the Bible are eternal and they are active. They're powerful for tearing down strongholds. Man, when you're talking to a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or your secular Colorado neighbor, you know, who who has a whole different framework and paradigm of how they live their life and how they evaluate truth. Yep. They don't need another opinion. Yep. They need power, you know, and, and the word of God brings power to our conversations. So, you know, I want the conversation to be incredibly bibliocentric. I want the Bible to be there. I want it to, I may not always use the terms the Bible said, uh, I have no problem with using that, but a lot of times in our, in my context, I would say God says in the Bible. No, that's very good. Because I'm trying to help people because it, it, all right, so just a couple of seconds of my own background, Muslims have a, a strong devotion to this book that they call the Quran, that their faith is mostly built upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I... Over two-thirds of the Muslim world doesn't speak Arabic, but you can only read the Quran in, and get credit for it by reading it in Arabic. And wow. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was talking to a guy one day who was telling me, he said, oh, I can teach anybody to read Arabic in, in just a very short period of time. And it showed, all he meant was, I can teach you the sounds, I can teach you the letters so that you can say it. Yep with no understanding whatsoever. That's so different than how our view of the Bible. Well, it sounds like Christianity pre-Reformation where, you know, the priest would just be like, don't read the Bible. I'll tell you what it says. Yeah. And then you're like, hey. (laughs) Or doing mass in in Latin when we don't understand even what's being said. And so we understand that God speaks to us and he wants to speak to us in our own language. Yep. And so... uh, so we'd start with pre-evangelism, exalting God's word. Yep. Then I think what that sets up is when someone makes a decision to follow Christ, they understand that their faith should be built on yep. the word of God, that the word of God is our, it is 
everything for daily life and for practice in issues of faith and in issues of in a, of obedience. Yeah, and just for, just for the sake of our listeners, that somehow you know somehow if if you're you know depending on where you're at in America, you know uh, you have a large church or a lot of people get baptized, and you think, well, that's an awakening. But you go to places, and we've talked about this before, Iran has the fastest growing, percentage-wise, yeah. fastest growing church in the world, and they're not having crusade tent meetings. They are crusade prior- meet something <laughs> yeah. different in that part yeah. of the world. That's a whole different meeting. <laughs> yep. But what they have is they prioritize God's word, and they're coming to know Christ and valuing the scriptures. And as they propagate that, now you have people that are coming into an understanding of Christ through his word. So that priority of scripture has such a powerful effect. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the word says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yep. Today, I, I want to be careful because I, I am a technology guy. I love technology. Yeah. Um, I, I love to read my Bible on my phone. I also like paper. Yeah. Um, but I haven't, uh, you know, the word of God is the word of God. doesn't matter what format it shows up in. Yep. So, you know, I'd rather somebody read it on whatever than not read it at all. So none of that's important to me. However, with that said, you know, the, the Bible needs to be able to be put in people's hands. And everywhere we go where you see a revival taking place, there is this love for scripture, yep. you know, and, and I, so many places where I've lived where persecution is strong or in places like Cuba or like we talked about earlier, yeah. Venezuela or Vietnam, these places yeah. where people have been put into jail for their faith. One of the common things for pastors interviewed afterwards would be they would say it was God's word that I'd hidden in my heart that strengthened me. Yeah. And so as a, a, for years, I was the leader of missionaries. So it was my job to help encourage and strengthen them. One of the things I would always ask them is, if you were put into prison for your faith and you couldn't take your Bible or your phone in with you, how much of God's word have you actually hidden in your heart and in your mind to sustain you in those times of difficulty? Mm. And I think that a true revival, and we're not talking about a works-based approach to yeah. memorizing scripture, but discipline. Every football player understands that if you're going to win a game, you're, it's going to be the, what you do in the locker room. Well, you got to know the playbook. You got to know the playbook. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be what you do in the locker room. It's going to be what yeah. you do in practice that yeah. just manifests itself on the field yeah. during the game. And so what we've hidden in our hearts, that's what's going to be what strengthens us in times of difficulty. No, that's really good. One thing that I love about the word, and it doesn't matter what context, whether you're Muslim uh, context, communist or America, but what God's word does is it confronts us. Yeah. The one, the one thing that's true about humanity doesn't matter where you go. God and his thinking is higher and it's different than, than our thinking. And listen, if you're in American culture today, God's word is in conflict with how we think, how we walk, and how we live. And it does, and it's not a conflict in a bad way. 
It's a conflict that this is God's truth when correctly interpreted. So sure. we got to make sure that we're yep, saying absolutely. that, you know, sure. properly uh, exegeted, understood, interpreted. You used a big word there. Okay. If you're not a minister, you might not know. What's exegeted mean? Exegesis is basically uh, taking culture, context of linguistics, putting it together so, so that you're accurately understanding what the Bible says. There's a lot of people that create a lot of false doctrine off of mishandling or misusing. So it's letting the Bible speak to us rather than us speak into the Bible. 100%. Good, no, good, no, good, uh, good, good thing to say there. And so it's, it's constantly, if you're a Muslim, God's word is going to be in conflict with the Quran. Mm -hmm. If you're a communist, obviously, uh, you know, or an atheist is going to be in conflict with, with your worldview. But even for believers, like I, I believe in Jesus, but when God's word says, pray for people that despitefully use me, that is in conflict with me. It's in conflict with my flesh right. every moment of <laughs> every, every moment. day. Yeah. And so here's where, here's where this is where the attachment to revival or awakening or, you know, that spiritual fire that burns in our heart is when you read the word, you let the Holy Spirit speak, and then you acquiesce to this is what God says. And I want to conform to the image of Christ as the word is proclaimed. What happens is it begins to change the way we think, the way we live, how we behave. And that is the power that really makes a difference in the culture that we live. And I've, I find a lot of times, I, I, I'll let you comment on this as well, but sometimes, you know, we, we think that revival or awakening, you, you know, you get guys that are preaching and it's a lot of stories and quotes and illustrations. You know, nothing wrong with any of those things. As long as they highlight scripture. As long as it's the foundation of the yeah. word. And now we're we're given an illustration to highlight what God's word says. Yeah. It's, it's what I love about, you know, Calvary Chapel really has this thing of, you know, line upon line. Yep. Pre- they go through entire books of the Bible, you know, verse by verse. I, I don't necessarily think that you have to do that. But what I do believe is. Being able to take God's word, break it down, help people to understand what God says and speak to the issues of life. That's how we grow. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know if you ha- have any thoughts when it comes to how God's word is in conflict to our thinking and and how when we when we change and we acquiesce to that, that's such an important dynamic of having a spiritual fire in our life. Yeah, I you know I I look at the Word of God, and I know this is not obviously this is not new with me, but when I think of the Word of God, I I know this sounds simplistic, and it's it's not new with me, but I really do think this about God's Word: it comforts yep. the afflicted and it afflicts the comfortable. Yep, and so you know. We're called to be made into the image of Christ. How do we know what the image of Christ looks like apart from his word? Yep. I mean, Jesus said to his disciples, go and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Where do we get that information? How do we know what Jesus commanded the disciples? From his word. That's right. Everything. I mean, one of the most common expressions throughout scripture is it is is written. Now yep. that that ought to give us incredible strength in our faith because our faith isn't based on simple emotions. You know, some days I feel up, some days I feel down. The word of God is unchangeable. Yeah. And it's it's such a solid foundation. Here again, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, two men build houses. Both build 
good houses from what we're told. Mm -hmm. We don't see anything about one having faulty plans, one having good plans. One, the only difference was one built their house on a rock, the other one built their house on the sand. And Jesus says, one is building their house on the word of God. Well, and 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 just a you know just an aspect to that, both of the houses did just really fine for a long time. Good point. Good point. It just says yeah. then when the winds came. Yeah. And this is what this is what happens because truth is, as believers, the winds come. Yeah. If you're watching today, maybe you're going through a wind now. If you haven't, if you're not going through a wind now, you've been through one or one's coming. Yeah. But the winds of life come. And this is what Jesus is saying. Oh, you know, you can go to church and kind of sit in the pew or chair or whatever and kind of make it. But when the winds come, if your life isn't built on something that's solid, my word, then when the winds come, you blow away. Yeah. Good so, word. Yeah. So the Bible tells us how we live our life, how what our motives ought to look like, what our views of God ought to look like, all of that. But it's not just for internal purposes. It's mm -hmm. also that God called us into a world that desperately needs us. Yep. So our, our purpose for the word isn't just that we become more and more and more knowledgeable of God's word, but rather we become doers of the word, not just hearers only. And so the second part of today's talk was to talk about the fact of it. real revival inspires love. Yep. You know, I, I love the old quote from Mark Twain. He said, it's not the parts of Scripture that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts <laughs> I do understand, like loving my enemies. No, that's a good one. You know, that true revival inspires love. I, I know you've seen this where, every, where, where you've seen lives changed. You see the love index increase. Yeah, it really is. The I mean, it's... Uh, you first Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Yeah. The center of all of it is love, the gifts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. It begins and ends in love and not just love in a human context, mm. but it's God's love. Yeah, sure. All places, all people, all times. That love is very unnatural for us. Yeah, sure. We tend to love ourselves. We tend to do what's best for ourselves, our family. But Jesus says it like this. He says, you know, the pagans love those that are like them, their sure. friends and their family. But if you want to be a child of God, love your enemies, pray for people that despitefully use you, and then you prove yourself to be walking in the love of God. Yeah, That's the, that's the difference maybe between when we talk about love, what's the love of God, and what's our understanding and our culture of love. Yes. In our first episode, we talked about one of the signs of revival was Christ exalted. Yep. So this is where... Revival is Christ exalted, not only in name, but in deed. Yep. So love inspired means that Christ is exalted in our daily life, in everything that we do, whether it's people that like us or people who hate us. <laughs> you know, I, I remember, you know, just you coming into Pentecostal church and that was, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So just throwing that out there. Sure. But I remember, we, you know, we'd have these services where, you know, God's moving and, you know, people <laughs> were being touched and, you know, getting all excited. And it was new to me because I kind of came out of a, you know, when I first became a believer, I was in Baptist and then Southern Baptist. So it was kind of a different world. Sure. So I was like, wow, these people just got all. And then you'd go to the lobby. And they'd be killing and each other. Be, yeah. <laughs> gossiping about each other, talking negatively. And I'm like, 
Well, you know, that <laughs> should cause you to so the true the true sign that the Holy Spirit is working in the church isn't the manifestations that happen, yeah. but the love of God for each other sure. and for the world that's outside of us. That's when you know the Holy Spirit is there because the love of God is evident. Sure. Yeah. They'll know you're my disciples by your love uh, yeah. for one another. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think of love expressed in, when I think about our world today mm-hmm. and that, you know, one of the saddest things for me is when I interact with unbelievers that they actually think Christians are hateful people. Now, some of that's a some, some of that yeah some of that they got that they got that idea honestly <laughs> yeah and then some of that comes from a false narrative from media we all get sure, that yeah, you yeah. know and such but but so often Christians are about what they're against not what they're for sure you know and I think true revival does two things it strengthens our love inside the body of Christ. So we love one another, but mm-hmm. it also drives us outside of the walls. You know, we understand that the body of Christ is is a building without walls in one sense. And so we understand, yes, I love my neighbors. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I also love that person on the outside who really right now hates what I stand for. Yeah. But through Christ exalted, I mean, Jesus was hated by his enemies and yet he loved them. You know, no greater love has anyone than to lay down their life for their friends. And, you know, Jesus describes that not just meaning those people that liked him. Yeah. But he laid down his life for those who hated him. You know, Romans 5, you know, God sent his son into the world while we were yet sinners. Yeah. You know, so... That's what it means to to have God's love expressed in our cultures. You know, which I believe, even when Jesus is calling the scribes and Pharisees and the you know religious leaders, and he's calling them a, a brood of vipers, you go, well, that doesn't sound very loving. But if you stop for a moment and go, if he was doing that just to judge them and send them to to a fiery hell, okay. But maybe that was what he felt like was the very thing that they needed because they were so entrenched in their religion that they couldn't see the glory of God. So he was trying to identify, hey, this is where you're at and you've lost the love and the power of God. So even calling for repentance, if you do it the right way with a tear in your eye and with the love of God, it really is the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God that leads us to repentance and that's that's the love that we should carry with us, not to be judgmental or angry at people, but it but it's to really help people to see where they're at and help them to see where God wants to take them. Yeah, I mean, in in, in our world today that says you validate everybody in whatever situation they find themselves in, yep. this is a contrary message. But true love doesn't allow people to continue to self-harm. And the ultimate yep. form of self-harm is to believe your li- the lies you've been telling yourself day after day after day, mm. to be headed down a, a terrible path. I mean, there's nothing loving about somebody being lost and saying, oh, just let them go. You yep. know, you know that, that there's nothing loving about that whatsoever. Well, you know, bo- both of us in the context of missions have been about taking the gospel to people that don't know Christ. Uh, you, obviously, in the Muslim world. 
I was in Western Europe. Secularized, um, very secularized. Yeah, very secularized. Um, the area that I was at was the most unreached part of Europe. Mm. We helped to develop, develop evangelism teams uh, across Ireland. And then um, as a part of my next term was to do evangelism across Europe. But when I came back and started the church in America, mm. and this is maybe more of a context for people that are that are watching. Sure. You know, I never would I get up on a Sunday and go, if you're really a Christian and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to share your faith. Would never, I would never say that. It was always my objective is to get people to see the greatness of Christ, mm. to fall in love with Jesus. And really, when you can recognize what you have been saved from, if that doesn't motivate you to share the gospel with people, I don't know what will. And so in the context of the church that I, I pastored, we probably had 300 people a month that would go either to the homeless or to the drug clinics or to prisons. And we never made people feel guilty. Mm. We never tried to go, oh, we're going to be a good Christian. This is what you should do. But just help people to fall in love with Jesus, recognize the glory of God. But if that doesn't move you to love your neighbor or to tell somebody that doesn't know, there's a world that needs to know Jesus. And and if and if we're not motivated with the love of God to to declare that, I like we should just be honest and go, may, maybe that fire isn't very bright in my heart. Because if that fire is bright in my heart, the expression of that is going to love someone enough to tell them of the greatness of God. Yeah, I love that. It, and and so and it's love as you've said, it's love in word and in deed. Yep. So it's telling the truth, it's speaking the truth, it's saying it in loving in a loving manner. You know, it's not a condemning approach, but it's one that's based on love. It's communicated in love. It's communicated with graciousness. I love the yep. fact that the Holy Spirit, I think, is the most winsome uh, entity, power in the universe. He loves mm. lost people way more than we ever will. And so if we'll just let him love people through us, mm -hmm. I think there's real power there in, in how we speak words. But the other side of that, I think, is service, mm. you know, to to serve the poor, you know, to, to serve those who are in need, to serve those who are who are have honestly are dealing with the consequences of their own sinful behavior. Right. You know, to, to love them. I, I still think that is an incredible expression of Christ's love demonstrated. Well, and the church, listen, every church should be about, you know what? Um, reaching people that, I mean, when I say nobody else wants, like a lot of times in church, you know, every pastor wants the, you know, the guy that's wealthy, that's the, that gives tithes. Sure. Um, when you go to places and people that have nothing to give, they have nothing to to, to give in return. Uh, they're really not the people that every other church is looking to get them into their membership. But it's really just the love of God for somebody mm. to connect. And so, sometimes that's a sandwich and uh, something to drink for somebody that's in a life of addiction. I can't tell you how many people mm. we've seen restored, uh, come to know Christ that literally had nothing to give, but just the love of God being expressed by believers. There's a powerful effect in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I I completely agree with that, that heart of mercy, but it's mercy mixed with the word. So as you're showing the love of God, it's being able to speak God's word 
and and plant a seed that can really bring a harvest in that person's life. Absolutely. I you know a, a book that people have wrestled with in the Bible for years. It's one of the earliest books probably written in the New Testament. It's the book of James. Mm. And you know the book of James if anything it is it is Christianity made practical. <laughs> Wait, was it Martin Luther that didn't want it to be included in the, in the canon of exactly, Scripture? Exactly, <laughs> because it was he, he was worried it would lead toward works. Yeah. But his expression was, you know, James is the is the example of true saving faith. Yeah. While it is alone, it never remains alone. It's grace that brings us to faith. It is faith alone, but faith alone demonstrates itself in and how we live amongst the the unreached and how we live amongst the the reached. Well, what's the famous words there? If you show me your your uh, faith without works, works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Yep. And some people take that and get because that's why he wanted to remove the book out of the canon of scripture yeah. because it didn't line up with his theology. But what we have to do is get we need to line up our theology with the Bible rather than trying to get the Bible to line up with our theology. Because the truth of what was being said there wasn't that now we live by works and not by faith. Not at all. It was saying, yes, we live by faith, but now begin to live in such a way that your faith is actually doing and having its way and working its way out of your life to touch a world that's lost and broken. It's Matthew 25, you know, uh, hey, you do this to the least of the brethren. You came to me in prison. You gave me clothes. Yes. You fed me when nobody else was there. That is as much the love of God as preaching a biblical message on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. You know, go back and maybe in closing, I'll just kind of point out, you know, World Challenge got its roots, got its start mm. from its founder, David Wilkerson, sitting in a rural city in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Yep. has he's growing in his love for God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been spending time in prayer in and the word. He's positioned his heart to hear from God. And in that context, God pours into him a supernatural love for some gang members who have recently brutally murdered yeah a, a a helpless person in the streets of New York City and Michael Farmer yep every person probably that read that life magazine story wanted those gang members to get justice yep well i think they put in the article these are people they were like describing like animals yeah. and they're the unreachable they can't be changed. And there was something that provoked in David Wilkerson's heart that said, no, God can change anybody, even those gang members. Exactly. Right? And so. that was that love expressed. Yep. He shows up on the streets of New York City. Of course, if you've ever read Crossing the Switchblade, it's a famous mm-hmm. line. Even if you've ever seen the cartoon, you know, comic book version of it, there's yeah. a picture of this. You know, he's having a conversation with what he discovers later is Nikki Cruz. Nikki says, you know, I'm, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut you up into a, you know, a thousand pieces. And he says, you could do that. And he says, but every single piece that you cut me up would say, God loves you. And I love you. Yeah. That's powerful. It is, but that's not something that we work up. You don't convince yourself into that kind of love revival, Christ exalting 
love. Christ-exalting revival is one that's going to express itself in that kind of love because it's the love of Christ. Yeah. And and what does the scripture say? And faith works by love. Yeah. And you take that seed of what David Wilkerson, you know, going to these gang members. And now we both have this common friend. Absolutely love Nikki Cruz. Yeah. I mean, what a great personality, great evangelist around the world. Yeah. But because one man went to go reach another man and then many, many others sure. that went through Teen Challenge and so forth that now Nikki Cruz in our generation has spoken to more people individually about the gospel, South America, Europe, uh, Africa. He's done crusades all around the world mm -hmm. because one man determined to share the love of God with one man and that man had an incredible effect. So we have this heritage here. Yeah. Yes, we believe in uncompromising truth, but not at the exclusion of the love of God expressed to a world that's broken. Uncompromising truth leads to love expressed. That's right. When you get the word right, yeah, uh, not you know this this hard thing of like you know we believe in truth and everybody like hey that's not the love of God. No, not at all. It's uncompromising truth will provoke your heart to love and bring the life and the glory of God to the world that you live in and to the extended world that's not been reached. Yeah. John, I think one of the things that both of us would really strongly agree on is we live in a time when Christ's body collectively and individually needs to be walking in spiritual fervor like never before. That's right. And and, and listen, today we, we can't change the whole world. You're watching today. And what we want to do is maybe provoke your heart to go, God, how can you get in my, my heart a little bit deeper, really find the power of your word? And begin to say, God, how, how do you want? Like we we don't we don't have a for, there's no formula. Yeah. But God, how do you take this word, and you begin to stir my heart? And and what what's the place you want me or lead me to express this love? And it could be with a neighbor or a friend, or it could be at a church or a ministry. Hey, it, it could be saying, Hey, I, I want to start uh, giving money to a missionary this in an unreached area, and I want to be able to pray for an unreached nation. There's so many ways mm. that love can be expressed, but what's what's important, I think, to God is to be led of the Holy Spirit. And as God leads you to those places and God's word gets in your heart, now let it become a reality to make a difference in the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, we, we certainly know that this world's got nothing really to, to lastingly fix the problems yep. that it's facing. But I think if the power of the Holy Spirit unleashed through the life of believers mm. in our world, powerful. Yeah. You know, just in closing, both of us have a strong burden for people who are in spiritual leadership. Yes. Particularly pastors. Churches seldomly have a spiritual intensity that exceeds that of their spiritual leaders. Yeah. I want to see pastors walking in revival. Yeah. And elders and yes. evangelists. And, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Sunday school teachers. Yes. We want to see them grow in there. So last, just last question. We both spent years in, in ministry. We all know that we don't wake up every morning with a sense of spiritual passion burning in our heart. Yeah. How do we kindle that or rekindle that as a minister on a daily basis? No, it's, this is great. The first thing I would say is this judgment begins in the house of God. Mm. 
And sometimes we have this idea in Christianity of, you know, God's just trying to get a hold of the president or the Congress. But really, God's plan for turning this world around is to get inside the four walls of the church. Yeah. And if he wants to change the church, the place that he's going to begin by doing that is to get in the heart of the leader. No judgment here. The, the last thing no. in the world that we ever do is come and say, you're a bad leader or a good leader. But it is, it is to say this, that if you're in a place and you look around and you go, hey, this is all about maintaining a work inside the four walls, I, I would ask you to pray and just go, God, give me an eyes, give me an eyes and a heart for what you see and what you mm. feel, that there's a harvest field around. And God, move my heart, provoke my heart for the community I live in and to the ends of the earth. That's what the command is. Yeah. And I don't think that we can really tell you how to do that. I've, I've seen churches that, you know, do different ways and different things. And personal evangelism, to me, the most effective thing you can do is teach your congregation how to share their faith. And so if every Sunday is how to be the best you and, you know, the six tricks to be happy, if that's if that's everything that you're preaching and teaching, I, I want to just encourage you to, to get back to the place where God does this great work of putting a passion in your heart for the lost and the broken and teach people who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Let them see his glory and then begin to look at the places and the peoples around you and say, God, show me if I don't if you don't know how to get started, God, show me to infiltrate these places where there's great darkness. America and this world needs pastors and churches that are engaged in the spiritual battle that we're in today. And so I encourage you to really find that that place of um, spiritual authority mm. and really finding out who you are in Christ and letting the love of God flow through you and the church family. Yeah, I, I love to think of it for myself is if I fall in love with the God of his word, the God of the word and the God uh, who created the world, I will naturally love the God. I will love the word of God and I will love the world that God created. I'm going to mm -hmm. love those people. So there's going to be a practical outcropping for myself, for you, for those watching, those listening. I know my prayer is that we would just once again return to our first love. Amen. That Jesus would become that consuming fire that that draws us to himself like never before, that in grace and mercy, we would fall at his feet, fall in love with him, and then let him work through us in the world. Yeah. That's a great encouragement, uh, Mark. I absolutely, I love doing this podcast with you. Likewise. And this is one of my favorite ones because I feel like today we're talking about, the last few weeks we've been talking mm -hmm. about this spiritual fervor. Can you, maybe as we're kind of wrapping up here, man, would you maybe give us a final word? Yeah, sure. And then maybe along with that, just pray with the people that are watching today. Yeah. Well, one, I just want to kind of encourage people to continue to stay engaged with us because we've talked over the last few weeks about revival. If if we talked about that as fire, mm -hmm. the fire of God, as we move forward in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what's the kindling that we have to use? What's the wood that might be expressed in our lives? Some maybe the spiritual disciplines mm. that lead to spiritual revival in our lives so that it's, it's normative, yeah. you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, revival is about being revived. 
I don't know that we have to go into times where we're not vived. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to. We yeah. don't have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That we can actually live with a time with spiritual verve. It's not us working ourselves up. It's not any of that. It's just that we can walk in that. And so we want to talk about that in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. And so in the meantime, I want to pray for us yeah. and pray for those who've been watching and listening. Father, thank you for your incredible um, magnetic character that draws us to yourself. Thank you, Lord. We we wouldn't even seek you out if you weren't drawing us. Yes, Lord, and we're so thankful that you are, that you love us. Your love for us is greater than we will ever know. And as we grow closer to you, we experience your love. We experience your power. We experience your holiness. Lord, we we understand what you are about as we understand your character. And then we understand how you view the world. So, Lord, we ask that you would draw us to yourself. Lord, if, if, if myself, if anyone else listening, watching, has drifted from that first love, then, Lord, we ask that you would draw us back to you. Lord, we long to love you more and to understand your love for us more than ever before. Lord, bless us as we walk forward today. Help us to build our lives on Christ's word. Help us to be able to live a life that exalts Jesus, that provokes the devil, that prioritizes the word and inspires love for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Join us again next week when we will talk about what are those things that practices that we need to have in our lives if we're going to grow daily and we're going to walk in spiritual victory. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the content, if it's been been beneficial to you, share it with those that you know so that more people can be enriched by this. God bless. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. If you enjoy listening to John and Mark, you could see both of them in person at the Fire in Our Bones conferences. Their heart is to see your passion for God and your calling rekindled. Check out worldchallenge.org or the show notes for more details. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.